Hello, everyone. I'm Bob Kieser, and this is the Son of Man Urantia Project. Today's episode is Chapter 42, Ordination of the Seventy at Magadan. Abner, along with about 50 disciples, left Bethlehem and got to Magadan a few days after Jesus and the Twelve Apostles. Already at the Magadan camp were the Woman's Corps, the Evangelist Corps, and about 150 disciples from all around Palestine that had already proven themselves in the kingdom's work. Everyone visited for a few days as they reorganized the camp, and then on Friday, November 4th, Jesus and the Twelve started holding advanced classes on the kingdom for these tried-and-true believers in the gospel. Each morning, Jesus would give a talk to the group, and then the apostles would each teach whatever it was that they were best at. For example, Peter taught public preaching, Nathaniel the art of teaching, Thomas on how to answer questions, etc. Meanwhile, Matthew organized the group's money. Ordination of the Seventy At about two o'clock in the afternoon on Saturday, November 19th, on the shore of the Lake of Galilee at the Magadon camp and in between rain showers, Jesus ordained the Seventy. Witnessing the ordination were over 400 believers, including David and most of his messengers. Afterwards, Abner was placed in charge of the group, which consisted of 10 of John's former apostles, 51 of the earlier evangelists, and eight other disciples who had distinguished themselves in the past. Before Jesus began placing his hands on the head of each person to set them apart as messengers of the gospel, he said to them, It is a full harvest but we only have a few workers. I ask all of you to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send more workers for his harvest. I am about to set you apart as messengers of the kingdom. I am about to send you to Jew and Gentile like lambs among wolves. As you go your ways, two by two, do not take any money or extra clothes because this first mission will be short. Do not spend time in elaborate greetings as you meet people along the way. Stick to doing just your work. Whenever you pick a home to stay at, first say, Peace be to this household. If the people who live there love peace, you will stay there. If not, you will leave. And, If you decide to stay there, stay in that same house the whole time you are in that city and eat and drink whatever is put in front of you. And you do this because the worker has earned his meals. Do not move from house to house if someone offers you a better place to stay. Remember, as you go forth announcing peace on earth and goodwill among men, 
you must put up with bitter and self-deceived enemies. So, be as wise as serpents, while you are also as harmless as doves. And everywhere you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand, and care for everyone who is sick in either mind or body. Freely you have received the good things of the kingdom. Freely give. The people of those villages that welcome you will find a rich welcome into the Father's kingdom. For the people of those villages that refuse this gospel, you will still declare your message as you leave that unbelieving community, telling them as you depart, even though you reject the truth, still the kingdom of God has come near you. He who hears you hears me, and he who hears me hears him who sent me. He who rejects your gospel rejects me, and he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. After Jesus had spoken to the seventy, he began with Abner, and as they knelt in a circle around him, Jesus laid his hands on the head of every man. Early the next morning, Abner sent the seventy messengers into all of the cities of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And these thirty-five pairs went out preaching for about six weeks. They returned to the new camp near Pella in Peria on Friday, December 30th. The Rich Young Man and Others The three men that Jesus chose to select the 70 new evangelists from all the candidates were Abner, Andrew, and the person acting as the head of the evangelist corps at the time. In the process, they rejected over 50 people. Whenever the three men were not in total agreement whether someone should be selected, they took the person to Jesus for him to decide. Jesus never rejected any of these people, but after speaking with them, more than a dozen of them decided that they no longer wanted to become gospel messengers. One of these sincere disciples told Jesus, Master, I want to be one of your new, new apostles, but my father is very old and near death. Will I be permitted to return home to bury him? To this man, Jesus said, My son, the foxes have holes, and the birds of heaven have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You are a faithful disciple, and you can still be one while you return home to care for your family. But that is not the case with my gospel messengers. They have given up everything to follow me and to proclaim the kingdom. If you want to be an ordained teacher, you must let others bury the dead while you go forth to tell the people the good news. This man went away greatly disappointed. Another disciple came to Jesus and said, 
I want to become an ordained messenger. But first, I want to go home for a little while to comfort my family. And Jesus said, If you want to be ordained, you must be willing to give up everything. The gospel messengers cannot have divided loyalties. No man, once he has put his hand to the plow, if he turns back, is worthy to become a messenger of the kingdom. Then Andrew brought Jesus a rich young man who was a devout believer and who wanted to be ordained. This young man, whose name was Matadormus, was a member of the Jewish Sanhedrin. He had heard Jesus teach, and then Peter and the other apostles had taught him the gospel. Jesus talked with Matadormus about the requirements to become ordained, and then he asked him to hold off making a decision until he gave it more thought. Early the next morning, as Jesus was going for a walk, this young man stopped him and said, Master, I want you to tell me what I must do to be assured of eternal life. Since I have followed all of the commandments since my youth, I want to know what more do I have to do to gain eternal life. Jesus said, If you keep all of the commandments, in other words, if you do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not lie, do not cheat, and you do honor your parents, you do well. But salvation, eternal life, is the reward that comes from faith, not merely doing good things. Do you believe this gospel of the kingdom? And Matadormus replied, Yes, Master, I do believe everything you and your apostles have taught me. And Jesus said, Then you are indeed my disciple and a child of the kingdom. Then the young man said, But Master, I am not happy to be just your disciple. I want to be one of your messengers. When Jesus heard this, he looked down on the young man with great love and said, I will have you as one of my messengers if you are willing to pay the price, if you will supply that one thing that you lack. And Matadormus replied, Master, I will do anything if I will be allowed to follow you. Jesus, bending down and kissing the kneeling Matadormus on the forehead, said, If you want to be my messenger, go and sell all that you to the poor or to your friends. Come and follow me, and you will have treasure in the kingdom of heaven. When Matadormus heard this, his face fell. He got up and went away sad because he had a lot of possessions. This wealthy young Pharisee had been raised to believe that wealth was the sign of God's favor. Jesus knew that he was not free from the love of himself and his riches. The master wanted to deliver him from the love of wealth, not necessarily from the wealth. 
While Jesus' disciples did not give up everything they had, the apostles and the 70 did. Matadormus wanted to be one of those new 70, and that was why Jesus required him to give up all of his things. Almost every person has some one thing that they hold on to as a pet evil, and that entrance into the kingdom of heaven requires as part of the price to enter. If Matadormus had given up his wealth, it probably would have been given right back to him to manage as the treasurer for the 70. Later on, after the church at Jerusalem had been established, he did obey Jesus' restriction. But by then, it was already too late to become a member of the 70. He became the treasurer for the Jerusalem church. And James, Jesus' brother in the flesh, was its leader. Hence, as it always has been, it will forever be. Men must make their own decisions. There is a certain range of freedom of choice that people have. The spiritual world will not coerce or twist a man's arm. He is allowed to go the way he chooses. Jesus could see that Matadormus, with his riches, could not possibly become an ordained member of a group of men who had given up everything they had for the gospel. At the same time, Jesus could see that without his riches, he would have become the ultimate leader of all of them. But, like Jesus' own family, he never became great in the kingdom like he could have been because he robbed himself of the personal contact with Jesus that he could have gotten then doing as Jesus asked instead of waiting until much later. Having a lot of money, being rich, in and of itself has nothing to do with entrance into the kingdom of heaven. But the love of money does. The spiritual loyalties of the kingdom are the opposite of serving earthly desires. Man cannot share his highest loyalty to spirit with devotion to material things. Jesus never taught that it was wrong to have a lot of money. He only required his 12 apostles and the 70 gospel messengers to give up all of their earthly things to the common cause. Even then, he helped them to profit when they did sell their stuff, like he did with the apostle Matthew. Many times, Jesus advised his wealthier disciples like he taught the rich man in Rome. The master thought it was wise to invest extra money as a good insurance against future unavoidable problems. When the apostles' treasury was overflowing, Judas put money in the bank for later when they might not have an income. Judas did this after talking it over with Andrew. Jesus never had anything personally to do with the apostles' finances, except for giving out charity. But there was one economic abuse that he condemned many times, and that was the unfair exploitation of the weak 
uneducated, and less fortunate men by their smarter, stronger, and luckier brothers. Jesus said that such inhumane treatment of men, women, and children did not fit with the ideals of the brotherhood of the kingdom of heaven. The talk about wealth. By the time Jesus had finished talking with Matadormus, Peter and a number of the apostles had gathered around them. As the rich young man was leaving, Jesus turned around to face the apostles and said, You see how difficult it is for those who have riches to fully enter the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual worship cannot be shared with devotion to material things. No man can serve two masters. You have a saying that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the heathen to inherit eternal life. And I am telling you that it is as easy for this camel to go through the needle's eye as it is for these self-satisfied rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. When Peter and the apostles heard Jesus say this, they were astonished. So much so that Peter said, Who then, Lord, can be saved? Will all of the people who are rich be kept out of the kingdom? And Jesus replied, No, Peter, but all who put their trust in being wealthy will hardly enter into the spiritual life that leads to eternal progress. But even then, much that is impossible to man is not beyond the reach of the Father in heaven. We should instead recognize that with God, all things are possible. As they went off by themselves, Jesus was sad that Matadormus did not stay with them because he greatly loved him. And when they had walked down by the lake, they sat there beside the water. And Peter, speaking for the twelve, who were all there by this time, said, We are troubled by your words to the rich young man. Will we, will we require those who follow you to give up all that they have? And Jesus said, No, Peter. Only those who want to become apostles and who want to live with me as you do and as one family. But the Father requires that the love of his children be pure and undivided. Whatever thing or person comes between you and the love of the truths of the kingdom must be surrendered. If one's wealth does not invade the realm of the soul, it does not matter in the spiritual life of those who enter the kingdom. And then Peter said, But Master, we have left everything to follow you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to all twelve of them, It is the truth when I tell you, there is no man who has left wife, home, wealth, friends, parents, or children for my sake, who will not receive much more in this world, perhaps with some suffering, and in the world to come, 
eternal life. But many who are first will be last, while the last will often be first. The Father deals with his creatures according to their needs and in obedience to his loving and merciful laws for the welfare of the entire universe. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who had to employ a lot of men and who went out early in the morning looking for people to work in his vineyard. After he found some workers at the market and agreed to pay them a denarius a day, he sent them to his field to work. Then, about nine o'clock later in the morning, he saw other men, men standing around idle in the marketplace. So, he also offered them work and to pay them whatever was right. And these men went straight to work. Then, this landowner did the same thing. He went to the marketplace and hired more men at both noon and three o'clock in the afternoon. Later, at five o'clock, he found still more men standing around doing nothing at the marketplace. And he asked them, Why do you stand around here all day doing nothing? And the men answered, Because nobody has hired us. So, then the landowner said, You also go to work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. When evening came, the landowner told his crew boss, Call in the workers and pay them their wages. Begin by paying first, begin by first paying the last men who were hired, and end by paying those who were hired first. When those who were hired about five o'clock were paid, they each received a denarius, as did all of the other workers hired throughout the day. When it came time to pay the guys who were hired first at the very beginning of the day, the others hired later in the day had been paid, expected to receive more money than they had agreed on with the landowner. But, like the others, they were each only paid a denarius. Feeling like they had been shorted or taken advantage of, they went to the landowner and complained, saying, These men who were hired last only worked for one hour, and yet you have paid them the same as us who have worked in the scorching sun all day long. To this, the landowner said, My friends, I did you no wrong. Did not each of you agree to work for a denarius a day? Take now what is yours and go your way, because I want to give those men who came to work last as much as I have given you. Is it not legal for me to do what I want with my own money? Or do you resent my generosity because I want to be good and to show mercy? Farewell to the Seventy. It was an exciting day in the Magadon camp when the Seventy left for their first mission out among the people. 
During his final words to the 70 early that morning, Jesus emphasized the following. 1. The gospel of the kingdom must be announced to all the world, to Gentile as well as to Jew. 2. When caring for the sick, do not teach them to expect miracles. 3. Announce a spiritual brotherhood of the sons of God, not an outward kingdom of worldly power and material glory. 4. Do not waste your time visiting too much with the people or becoming distracted with little things that take you away from your wholehearted devotion to the gospel. 5. If the first place you select for a headquarters proves to be a worthy home, remain there throughout your stay in that village. 6. Make it clear to all of the faithful believers that the time has come for an open break with the Jewish leaders at Jerusalem. 7. Teach the people that a person's whole duty is summed up in this one commandment. Love the Lord your God with all of your mind and soul and your neighbor as yourself. This, by the way, is what they were teaching as man's whole duty in place of the 613 rules of living demanded by the Pharisees. After Jesus was done talking to the 70 and all of the apostles and disciples, Simon Peter took over and preached their ordination sermon. This was pretty much a more detailed explanation of what Jesus had told them earlier when he laid his hands on them and set them apart as kingdom messengers. In Peter's talk, he urged them to focus on the following virtues. 1. Devotion. For them to always pray for more workers to come into the gospel's harvest. Peter explained that when a person prays for more workers, he will more likely say, Here I am, send me. He warned them not to neglect their own daily worship. 2. Courage. Peter warned them that they were certain to be harassed. He said their mission was no place for cowards, and he said those that were afraid should step out now before they started. But none of them did. 3. Faith They must go out on this short mission, taking with them no provisions. They must trust the Father for food and shelter, and all of the other things that they need. 4. Zeal and initiative. They must be enthusiastic and focus on the master's business. Back in those days, when people would meet each other for the first time that day, they would spend a lot of time doing so. And it involved a lot of little details that made the greeting more like a mini-ceremony. This is where we got the saying, Salute no man, by the way. 
All that means is to take care of your business without wasting a lot of time. It had nothing to do with telling someone not to say hello or some such thing to others. Five, fifth, kindness and courtesy. While Jesus had told them to stay focused on their work and to not waste time on fancy greetings, he did urge them to be courteous to everyone that they met. They were to be kind to those who take them into their homes, and they were strictly warned against trading up if someone offered them a nicer home. 6. Ministering to the Sick The seventy were told by Peter to look for those people with mental or physical illnesses and to do everything in their power to help cure their sicknesses. Once they had their marching orders, the seventy started out, two by two, on their mission into Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. The Jews had a thing for the number 70, and sometimes they thought that there were 70 heathen nations. Although the 70 messengers were told to take the gospel to all people, including the heathens, it does not seem that the fact that there were exactly 70 messengers had anything to do with it. It was just a coincidence. This seems to be the case because there were at least six other men Jesus would have allowed to join the group if they would have been willing to pay the price of giving up their families and fortunes. Moving the camp to Pella. The last 10 days of November were spent having meetings at Magadon. Then on Tuesday, December 6th, they were finally ready to move their camp to Peria, near Pella, where Jesus had been baptized in the Jordan River. At dawn that morning, the entire group of almost 300 people headed out with all of their belongings to the site by the spring where John the Baptist had set up his camp on the Jordan several years earlier. The kingdom work was now entering a new phase. Every day, pilgrims were arriving at Peria from all across Palestine to the remote ends of the Roman Empire. Every once in a while, people came from far away as Mesopotamia and the lands east of the Tigris. So David Zebedee went back to Bethsaida, and he immediately began reducing the size of his messenger corps. On Sunday, December 18th, David and his crew went to his father's house, where they had stored all of the gear that they had used earlier to outfit the large camp at Bethsaida. After loading it all onto pack animals, they said their goodbyes, followed the shoreline, and then went along the Jordan River to a spot about a mile and a half away from where Jesus and the apostles had set up their camp. In less than a week, David was ready to put up almost 1,500 visitors. At Jesus' camp, they could care for about 500. This was the rainy season in Palestine, and they needed these accommodations to take care of everyone, most of them sincere, coming to hear Jesus preach. 
David Zebedee did all of this on his own, although he had talked it over with Philip and Matthew at Magadon. He used most of his former messengers as his helpers for running the camp. Less than 20 men remained on regular messenger duty. By the end of December and before the 70 got back to the camp, David and his people were caring for almost 800 visitors who had come to hear Jesus speak. The Return of the 70 On Friday, December 30th, while Jesus was off in the nearby hills with Peter, James, and John, the 70 returned. They showed up at the Pella headquarters two by two, along with many followers. They were all gathered together at the teaching site when Jesus returned about five o'clock in the afternoon. Supper was held up for almost an hour as everyone told the others about their experiences. These messengers had already re- the messengers had already relayed a lot of these events to the apostles. But it was inspiring to hear the new messengers personally tell the others how their message had been received by both the Jews and the Gentiles hungry for it. At last, Jesus was seeing his message carried to the people without him being there. And he now knew that he could leave our world without hurting the progress of the kingdom of heaven. When the 70 told how even the devils were subject to them, they were talking about the people with mental problems that that they had cured. That said, there were still a few cases where these ministers had actually exercised a rebel spirit from someone. Referring to these events, Jesus said, It is not strange that these minor disobedient spirits are subject to you, seeing that I saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven. But do not rejoice too much about this, because I'm telling you that as soon as I return to my Father, we will send our spirits into the very minds of men, so that never again will these few lost spirits be able to enter the minds of unfortunate people. I celebrate with you that you have power with men, but do not be lifted up because of this experience. Instead, rejoice that your names are written on heaven's rolls and that you will now go forward in an endless career of spiritual conquest. And it was just then, before supper, that Jesus had one of those rare, ecstatic, emotional moments that his followers sometimes got to see. Jesus said, I thank you, my Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that while this wonderful gospel was given, was hidden from the wise and self-righteous, The Spirit has revealed these spiritual glories to these children of the kingdom. Yes, my Father, it must have been pleasing for you to do this.
and I rejoice to know that the good news will spread to all the world even after I have returned to you and to the work that you have given me to do. I am mightily moved as I realize that you are about to put all authority into my hands. And only you really know who I am. And that only I and those that I have shown you to really know you. And when I have finished this revelation to my followers on earth, I will continue to reveal you to your creatures in heaven. After Jesus spoke to his father, he turned and spoke to his apostles and ministers. Blessed are the eyes that see and the ears that hear these things. Let me say to you that many prophets and many of the great men of past ages have wanted to witness what you see now, but it was not granted to them. And many generations of the children of light yet to come will, when they hear of these things, envy you who have heard and seen them. Then speaking to all of the disciples, Jesus said, You have heard how many of the cities received the good news of the kingdom, and how my teachers have been received by both the Jews and the Gentiles. And blessed, indeed, are those towns that have chosen to believe the gospel of the kingdom. But misery on the light-rejecting citizens of Chorazin, Bethsaida Julius, and Capernaum, the cities that did not treat these messengers well. I am telling you that if the mighty works they did in those places had been done in Tyre and Sidon, the people of those so-called heathen cities would have long since repented their sins. It will indeed go much better for Tyre and Sidon in the days of judgment than it will be for those other cities. With the next day being Saturday, the Sabbath, Jesus went aside with the 70 messengers and said, I did indeed rejoice with you when you came back excited about how so many people and Judea, Galilee, and Samaria accepted the gospel. But why were you so surprised? Did you not expect that your message would carry power when you delivered it? Did you head out on this mission with so little faith in the gospel that you come back surprised that it's effective? Now, while I do not want to quench your excitement, I am sternly warning you against the subtleties or the finer parts of spiritual pride. If you could understand how Lucifer, the iniquitous one, fell, you would sincerely avoid all forms of spiritual pride. You have entered into this great work of teaching mortal men, of teaching mortal man that he is a son of God. I have shown you the way. Go out and do your duty, and do not get weary doing well. To you and all of you who follow in your steps throughout the ages, 
let me say, I will always stand near. And my invitation call is, and forever will be, come to me, all of you who labor and are under heavy load, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn about me, for I am true and loyal, and you will find spiritual rest for your souls. And when they put Jesus' words to the test, they found them to be true. And since that day, countless thousands have also tested and proven the guarantee of these same promises. Preparation for the last mission. The next few days in the Pella camp were busy with all the preparations for the Parian trip being completed. Jesus and his followers were about to begin their last mission, the three months tour of all Peria, which ended only on Jesus entering Jerusalem for his final efforts on earth. Throughout this period, Jesus kept his headquarters at the Pella camp. It was no longer necessary for Jesus to go out to teach the people. They now came to him in increasing numbers each week and from all parts of the land, not just from Palestine, but from the whole Roman Empire and Near East. Although Jesus participated with the 70 in the Parian mission, he spent a lot of his time at the Pella camp teaching the crowds of people and further instructing the 12 apostles. Throughout this three months period, at least 10 of the apostles stayed with Jesus. The women's corps also prepared to go out, two by two, with the 70 to work in the larger Parian cities. The original group of 12 women had recently trained a larger group of 50 women how to visit homes and in the art of caring for the sick. Perpetua, Simon Peter's wife, became a member of this new division of the Women's Corps, and under Abner was entrusted to lead this greater mission the women now had. After Pentecost, she stayed with her illustrious husband, going with him on all of his missionary tours. On the day that Peter was crucified in Rome, Perpetua was fed to the wild beast in the arena. Philip and Matthew's wives and James and John's mother were also members of this new woman's corps. The kingdom work was now entering on its final phase under Jesus' personal leadership. And this present period was one of spiritual depth in contrast to the miracle-minded and wonder-working or wonder-seeking crowds who followed after Jesus during his former popularity in Galilee. However, there were still a lot of his followers who were material-minded and who failed to grasp the truth that the kingdom of heaven is the spiritual brotherhood of man founded on the eternal fact of the universal fatherhood of God. Okay, folks, that's it for chapter 42, ordination of the, of the 70 at 
Magadan. Coming up in a few days is chapter 43 at the Feast of Dedication. Defend liberty. Protect our kids. Get out there and find some way to serve man or nothing more than or less than the sake of God. Bobby Keezer, out here. <laughs>